sometimes if my voice isn't on track. <coughs> Welcome to Eyes to the Left, the Mirror's political podcast. My name is Jason Beatty. I'm the head of politics at the Mirror, and I'm joined by Kevin Maguire, Nicola Bartlett, and Mikey Smith, our top political team. And we've just watched one of the most extraordinary leaders' speeches at a party conference I've ever seen. Theresa May, this was meant to be her great fight back, the relaunch. They were going to reboot the Maybot, and it fell apart, literally and physically, in front of us. Everything which could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, we started with the Prime Minister giving a kind of plausible explanation of why she wants, still wants the job, apologising for the election, and then about 20 minutes into a speech, a prankster came on, uh, broke through security somehow, and handed her a P45. And from then on, it was just downhill. She lost her voice. She was coughing, spluttering, could barely get her words out, had to pause. Uh, and many of it couldn't get any worse than that. And it did. The scenery behind us started to collapse. Um, this is unprecedented. And we're going to digest what well, does it matter, what it means, why, how does she recover from this? So, Kevin, does it matter that she lost her voice? Does it matter she looked fail on stage? Does it matter that it went so disastrously wrong? Well, <coughs> cheers. <laughs> We've all got the cough. Oh, God. It was utterly, utterly excruciating. I have not seen a speech like that in 30 years coming to the conference. And at the end of the week, she needed a strong and commanding performance to show she was in charge. Instead, she spluttered and stumbled. As you'll get some sympathy... But what we saw was an ailing leader, weak and wobbly, not strong and stable. It really matters because she will have lost the confidence of some of those in the cabinet who are supporting her. She's been battered by Boris Johnson all week, too feeble to sack him, either for disloyalty or just being stupid. And there we are, she can barely deliver her own speech. And actually, there wasn't a lot in it if you looked at it, but you saw somebody who would not instill confidence. I, I think that performance, that dreadful performance for her and the scenery collapsing, letters falling down, uh, the prankster I thought she handled well, but the rest of it, I just think it symbolised the decline of Theresa May. Well, this is, it, it's, it's a, a metaphor for a party in ill health and can't find its voice. It, it couldn't be worse. The symbolism is terrible. Well, she'll regret the rundown of the NHS because I suspect she's now looking for a GP surgery with a, without a long queue. Uh, no, it, it, it is just dreadful. We knew she was time-limited. She might talk about fighting the next election. They'll never let her because she wasn't up to fighting the last one. She did apologise, as you say, in her speech. She should have done that at the beginning of the week. She's got everything wrong, absolutely everything wrong. And then when you ask for details of the big policies on energy and council house uh, building... They either don't know the detail or what they tell you is really very weakened, watery and not, not a game changer. I mean, the person who has had the best week at the Tory conference isn't here. It's Jeremy Corbyn. And, and Nicola, do, do you think you know, she will get some sympathy for, for that helper? That people go, well, you know, she struggled through, she showed a little bit of stoicism, she kind of did a couple of ad-libs to try and, you know help her kind of get through it by talking about getting a cough sweep from the Chancellor. She said that's the only thing you'll get free from a Chancellor. You know, is that good for her now? She's got this kind of, or not? I think it's, I mean, I find myself in a very strange position of, of feeling pity um, for, for Theresa May. Um, I never thought I'd feel sorry for her, but that's kind of not the reaction that you want for the Prime Minister. And as you said, this was billed as the big, the, the kind of, rebirth of her um, she talked was trying to talk a lot in that speech about who she is and where she comes from and why she still wants this job and actually all of that will just be lost and I, I don't think the general public 
well, I mean, they're probably going to be at complete loss to understand what, what happened here today, as I think most of us are. I don't think that they'll that feeling sorry for, for Theresa May will particularly help her. And I think the other element of this is, you know, she came into this conference with this very bad interview on the Andrew Marshall on the Sunday, and it kind of revived all the old doubts about mm. her amongst the Tory MPs. Is she up to the job? She seemed a little bit kind of autopilot. She's very wooden. This nickname of Maybot was suddenly coming back to life. And as you say, this speech was his chance to show that, you know, she has got resilience, that she is in for the long term. And all it's done is kind of prove probably the most deadly thing in politics. She's got bad luck. Everything which keeps, could go yeah. wrong for her keeps going wrong for her. She had good luck at the beginning because she was in the right place when David Cameron lost that referendum. Andrea Leadsom, her then main challenger, imploded uh, over, over motherhood of all, of all the issues. And she had a lot of luck early on. But it's all gone wrong because of a bad judgment and calling that election when she was dreadful in it had an awful campaign, a terrible manifesto, and ever since then, uh, she's been she's been that dead woman walking, and she, she is there now on political life support. If they want to switch off the machine, she'll be out. She will be absolutely powerless to do anything about it if I can't turn on her now. Yeah, and she's, the, the weakness has been exposed all week with, with Boris Johnson. Now, there was an amazing little vignette during the speech. Maggie, did you see that when yeah. Amber Rudd, what she had to do? What she, do? She, she, she appeared to angrily order Boris Johnson to his feet. Um, when when the prime minister was coughing and spluttering, uh, and, and and everyone rose to their feet to, uh, to to give her a round of applause for soldiering on through, uh, Boris had to uh, had to have a little bit of encouragement um, to get up and clap, which wasn't a good look, really. No, and and we'll just feed into this idea that that you know he he is still angling for the top job. His speech yesterday was seen as a a, a, a kind of leadership speech, kind of what we describe as thinly veiled but it was quite blatant I thought this one and also he had ability which May didn't have he excites the Tory troops they like him don't they he, I mean, he, he does he, he, can, he can excite them although I think there is a gulf emerging between the cabinet and MPs who see him as a traitorous uh, figure who they don't trust and also they fear as he showed we're joking about dead bodies in Libya that is is just it'd be it'd be a walking time bomb about to explode at any time. But there's a difference between the gatekeepers, if you like, of the Tory Party in Westminster and the and the party represented here, who do like them, as you see it. And you can see now the argument coming: Do you stay with this slow, lingering death with the prime minister who can't even deliver a speech and just coughs and splutters and stumbles her way forward or do you roll the dice and take a chance on Johnson or on David Davis on Amber Rudd on anybody it's almost Theresa May has made the case for anybody but Theresa May but they don't dare get rid of her and the, and the worst thing for her now is she's now reliant on sympathy rather than respect it's, yeah, it's, well. she's only there because of pity and that's a very fragile existence of your Prime Minister isn't it? Sympathy should be reserved for seven year old kids who fall over and scrape their knee in the playground and are crying not a Prime Minister of the world's fifth sickest sixth biggest economy in the world yeah. in Brexit negotiations, big decisions being made on the economy, the health service and so on. When it's, when it's sympathy for her, it's almost patronising. That's all we have left now is sympathy for her because she's not up to the job, she can't do it, we see she's in trouble, we know she's on our way out, it's just when. Yeah, And you've got this other problem with us that because she was coughing and spluttering so much and because it was so excruciating to watch, 
I found it difficult to actually kind of follow any of the substance of the speech. All I was sitting was there listening to it was, will she get through it? And I was completely yeah. preoccupied by that. Well, but she, did she say anything little of any substance to um, help me through this? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was sat listening to it in the hall and that was definitely the feeling after she, she started coughing was everybody was, all of the toy activists would, had sort of decided en masse to, to sympathetically clap whenever they felt that she was going to cough. So they were kind of clapping at, at odd intervals, <laughs> preempting the, the, the coughing fit. But there were, I mean, <coughs> she was definitely trying to um, address some of the, the problems and the concerns that people have had with her and with her government. I mean, there was that um, announcement on house building. Um, but as we've already sort of analysed, it's really not enough. I, I, w- I went to the briefing straight after with, uh, with her team, uh, who was struggling on the detail of any of these policies. They might have filled it in, they might have made it up now, they might have invented it, they might have found out what it really is. But on energy prices, they didn't actually know if there'd be a legal cap or not. On house building, it seems there are going to be 25,000 new council houses over about five years. There are 1.2 million people on the waiting list. This seems to be more spin and presentation rather than the big significant change to tackle those problems that are blighting people's lives. If you haven't, if you haven't got a decent home to live in or even, even a home, how can you have a job, bring up a family, get them educated? You can't. And yet again, politically, we're seeing them on the defensive. They're having to react all the time to the land which Jeremy Corbyn has mapped out. Exactly. And, and he's occupied this territory. He said, look, we have a housing crisis. He's yeah. saying we've got to tackle student fees. Yeah. He's saying there's great inequality, and and they're, all, they're doing little kind of incremental bits to try and counter it, but it's not enough. Is no, it? they they go on they go on to his territory. He is he is setting the political debate, but when they go on it, they can't really come up with the radical bold proposals that are needed. The, the one exception is it's, it's Eyes to the Left Daily Mirror podcast. We've campaigned as a newspaper for two hard years to get the law changed in England on organ donations. So it's uh, opt out rather than opt in. 500 people are dying needlessly every year. And she's finally, uh, you know, come on side. I'll applaud that. I will point out, just point of information, she's behind Wales, behind Scotland and behind... Labour and Jeremy Corbyn, <laughs> who came on board last week. But let's give her credit for one policy announcement, which is a victory yep. for the mirror. So, yeah. so we're, we're, well, we're, we're magnanimous here well on, done, on Eyes to the Left. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, you, you, you've soldiered through quite a few conferences now. You, you've just done the kind of Lib Dems, Labour and, and the Tories. What's been your conference highlight of Manchester? <laughs> My conference highlight was, I think, well, apart from this nightmarish speech we've just seen, was probably Bear Grylls. Uh, apparently breaking the rules of the Boy Scouts, sorry, the Scouts, the Scout uh, Association, um, by appearing on the stage at Tory conference uh, wearing his uh, Scout uniform, which is against Rule 14.1 in the Scout Handbook. Extraordinary detailed knowledge of the Scouting <laughs> Handbook yeah. there from, from our physical we, 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 we can do detail. On, 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 uh, Nicola, what has been your conference highlight or low light? Um... I think apart from uh, apart from today, um, it's kind of a more a more serious one in a way. Is that some of the discussions here at, at the conference fringes about um, the Tories' youth problem? I found really interesting because there, are, mm. although you can't definitely see that it's filtered through, but there are definitely people within the party at large who have, who have really got a handle on the fact that Labour have just stolen the march on them. Um, 
when it comes to, to, to young people and all of the cabinet ministers who were making the speeches this week were trotting out these things about the 1970s, the three-day week, these scaremongering ideas about socialism, was actually on the fringes people were saying these ideas don't mean anything to young people. They don't remember the, the, the incidents that you're talking about. And actually, you know, Tories need to come up with some actual ideas about what they can offer young people um, rather than this scaremongering. And, and it feels very much like there's a real gulf between the, the people at the top of the party who have kind of retreated um, and are kind of responding, reacting. Um, and some of the um, people like um, George Freeman MP who, who did that and Tory Glastonbury. Tory Glastonbury, which, which is an <laughs> ideas fest for, for, for young people. A hundred people. Yeah, don't, yeah don't, but fair play to the man. At least he's trying to do something. Um, so yeah, that's. Don't, been don't the Tories have you folks sewn up with with Jacob Rees-Mogg? <laughs> this, this well, was, he's he's had a great week. Hasn't the, he? This was the interesting thing. I mean, the 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 whole. Uh, the main hall where all the main speeches are w- was a graveyard for yes. most most of the weekend. All of the energy has been in the fringe meetings, Definitely. and the two sort of biggest draws, the two people who did lots and lots of fringe events and got queues around the block for for all of them, were Jacob Rees-Mogg, who young people love because he's a, you know a, a hilarious toff, um, and uh, Ruth Davidson, who speaks like a human being. And in in the the fringe event I saw her at, she she made a, a, a sort of decent pitch it's just for the, the Scottish Tory leader. The Scottish Tory leader, she she made a decent pitch for there to be, and and it turned up in Theresa May's speech. I, w- I wonder if she borrowed it, but for there to be a a, 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 a British version of the American dream, uh, they need the, the the party needs to offer young people something beyond just freezing their tuition fees for a couple of years. There needs to be some hope in there yeah. and, and there just isn't aren't you slightly worried though that, that this kind of obsession kind of almost adulation for Jacob Reef Malt this kind of underlines how out of touch the Conservatives have become oh absolutely that he's become a cult figure amongst the party membership oh absolutely there, there he is uh, talking about uh, finding the uh, proliferation of food banks uh, rather uplifting uh, when, we, when we know it's a sign of real social and economic failure that so many people are relying on charity to, to survive and then he in the Financial Times, we, we find out he, get, he motors off in his vintage Bintley uh, <laughs> to a Michelin-starred eatery overlooking the ancestral homelands to have a £30 steak for luncheon. Uh, uh, it, uh, the Tories are not going to find the way forward in the 21st century by harking back to an 18th-century figure, which is, which is what he is, never mind his position on women and abortion uh, and, and so on. No, I, th- I think he's a dangerous, uh, d- dangerous right winger, and I would actually love the Tory Party to have him as leader because you could guarantee they would lose the next election. Okay, so very quickly because uh, we're coming to the end of conference season now. We have the SNP. I have to admit, next week, which party have the best conference, Mikey? Uh, Labour had the most, sorry to say it, momentum. They had the most energy, but I think the Tories had the most hilarious conference. Okay. And that goes some to beat the Lib Dems, because they <laughs> normally have a, a hilarious conference. But. Nicola, which party have the best conference? I mean, I think, I think Labour, without a doubt, there was energy, there were ideas, and I think we've seen how much the Tories are copying them. I mean, one thing, just quickly, I would say is that 
a lot of Theresa May's speech actually borrowed from Ed Miliband. You know, this British dream idea he came up with, the promise of Britain, mm. the energy cap, Ed lots of his ideas. So it seems like she's reacting to Corbyn by resurrecting Miliband. Who failed, of course. Had <laughs> 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 lost in 2015. The best, I mean, Labour had the best conference. I think Labour can overdo it, the triumphalism. Yeah. They can think it's in the bag. A lot can happen in politics. It's incredibly volatile, unpredictable. But nevertheless, there was energy and enthusiasm at the Labour Party, while the Tory cop has been a Morgan. Perhaps, actually, we have just buried Theresa May. Yeah, well, we managed to get through this without coughing and spluttering too much. We, we showed the, the resilience, which maybe the Prime Minister was slightly lacking an hour earlier. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, do go to our website, uh, where you can download and subscribe to the podcast. That's www.mirror.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Uh, uh, my name is Jason Beatty. You can follow me on Twitter at, at JBTMirror. Nicola's on Twitter as... Nicola R. Bartlett. Mikey. I'm Mikey Smith. And Kevin. Kevin underscore Maguire. And we'll be back next week when we'll be discussing the first PMQ's Prime Minister's questions after the conference season. Thanks for listening. <coughs> Thank you.